right, good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you this morning. My name is Guy. If you don't know who I am, I'm one of the pastors here at the church. <laughs> I have been around here for uh, quite a while, but my current position at the church is as a pastor of leadership mentoring. And part of that role uh, means that I get to come and share the word with you. And so I'm excited to open our Bible Grab a Bible. If you have one, grab your own. If not, ushers will come and give you a Bible. Raise your hand. We'll give you a Bible. Find 1 John. The last couple of months have been great, and uh, a personal highlight from the last two months was actually last Sunday morning. Sitting at the 930 service right out there, listening to the introduction to 1 John that Adam brought to us, and it was a highlight for me, not just because I'm so blessed to be with you, to be at the church, um, see everything God's doing here, but because the word really touched my heart. As Adam opened up 1 John, I got excited. I said, this is so great. This is perfect. And it's for me. Like I need to, to hear this. So um, I hope you're here to receive something from the Lord because God has great things for us. And they're going to be in our study of 1 John. As you find your place in 1 John chapter 1, I'm going to tell you a story. It was in a lava cave in central Oregon where I had my most extreme experience ever of total, complete darkness. Uh, it was a blazing hot sunny afternoon. We went down into this cave and you sort of go straight down. Uh, and I don't know how far, you know, we kept going down, down, down. Maybe we're 50 yards underground and you go like a quarter mile away from the opening and it loops around a little bit. You have lanterns, you're going down this thing and it's super dark in there. It's rocky, you kind of have to watch your way. And I got this idea. I'm like, I really want to see how dark it is in here. So I'm going to let the group go on up ahead. I'm just going to hang back and see how dark it is. And so the group went, the light grew dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and went around a corner. And it was pitch black. Like your hand right here in front of your face, nothing. Can't see a thing. And I don't think I've ever experienced being in that kind of darkness. And you can't move. Because, you know, it's not like you're familiar with the cave, right? And there's rocks down there. So you're like you're paralyzed. I was paralyzed in pitch darkness all alone. To make matters worse, I had two matches in my pocket that because you bring a match in case, you know, the lantern goes out or something. And I had these two matches, stick matches. And in the pitch darkness... I put my hand in my pocket and inadvertently struck the matches against each other and set my pants on fire. <laughs> now, I'm not joking. <laughs> this actually happened. And I'm beating on my leg. And, and then there was a smell of burning flesh and sulfur. And I'm down there. I'm like, I'm under the ground in pitch black all alone and there's the smell of sulfur and burning flesh. And I'm like, this is a real bummer. <laughs> I 
Okay, so that was it. That was the biggest intense experience of total darkness. It is the theme of darkness and light. And everybody gets it. Everybody knows this. We can all relate to it. It's that moment in the dead of winter at 9 p.m. when the wind is howling outside, ice is forming on the trees and the power lines, and then you hear that transformer explode, and suddenly the entire neighborhood is swept into pitch darkness, and that well-lit home just goes away, and you're literally like, I can't see anything. Now, I know my way around the house, and so I'm praying that I can find the flashlight, that the batteries haven't died, that I can find that one candle. Isn't it amazing? Have you ever had this experience in, in like a power outage like that where you, you find one candle and you light one candle? How much light will come out of one candle once your eyes adjust? That's amazing. And aren't you thankful for the light? <laughs> Isn't it good? See, everybody gets this. It's the theme of darkness and light. So now that you have that theme in your mind, we're ready to go on in 1 John chapter 1. And we're going to read in verses 5 through 7. Think about this. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness we lie and do not practice the truth but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin isn't that marvelous? You know, as you start to read 1 John, you're going to get the sense that we're sort of in deep water here. I mean, these are, these are really special things that God is teaching us. Now, I'm going to tell you something right now, and it's kind of a headline. I want you to listen carefully to what I say because everything else that I'm going to talk about this morning depends on this key idea. And it goes like this. In the Bible... God uses light as a metaphor for relationship. I'm pausing for effect. Because a lot of people, you didn't expect that. You go, wait a minute. Light as a metaphor, okay, I get that. But usually we think of light as a metaphor for knowledge, enlightenment, that type of thing. But did you know that in the Bible... The most significant use of light as a metaphor is not for knowledge, but it's for relationship. It's an interesting twist. Let me show you. One of the places you'll find that. If we go back to the Old Testament and in the book of Numbers, there is the very famous priestly blessing, the book of Numbers. You don't have to turn there. We'll just put it on the screen. Just short, three verses, super important in the Bible. It's God told the priest to bless his people with these words. Here's how it goes. Thus you shall say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now, if you're paying attention, you see that light is here. Literally in the Hebrew, it says that the light of God's face, may the light of God's face shine on you. And he'll give you grace. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. These are descriptions of relationship. It is the smiling face of God. It is the gracious presence of God. It, that is light throughout the Bible. It's about relationship and it's a unique biblical perspective. But I feel like I get this truth of light also. Something rings true about this. It's about relationship. Now, when you have a positive, loving, connected relationship with someone, usually you can see it. There's kind of a light to it, you know. There's just like there's an expression that goes with it. Okay, so my wife and I, we spent almost a month in New Zealand, and I have a slide to show you of that. There it is, and for some reason, I had packed myself like a pack animal to go to Milford Sound. We got on a little Cessna, and we flew over there, and I was carrying our stuff with us, and there's a lot of light in this photo because there we are. It's a beautiful place. The sun is shining, and it's, that's gorgeous, but you know what the real light in this photo is? It's not the light of nature. It's not the sun shining. It's actually the light of relationship because that photo represents 41 years of marriage. And if I, I'm going to say it, but a great marriage of a wonderful marriage. And we love each other. And so there we are. And we feel connected, you know, and you can see it. Have you ever had that photo op moment when you don't feel connected and it's not, it's not light at all and it's like, you know, <laughs> turn the camera off, please, because the camera doesn't lie. Light. In the Bible, it's about relationship. I'll give you another example. This happened. This is beautiful. On Friday, we were babysitting, so we have four grandkids at our house. It was like this all-day babysitting thing. And at the end, we had packed them into the van, which we switched with my daughter, you know, to carry all these kids. And we're driving them back. And you know, like if you're a grandparent, you know it's like the all-day babysitting, the four grandkids, you're in the van driving back. You're like, okay. <laughs> the car, there's a lot of noise in the car. And my seven-year-old grandson says to me, Grandpa, can I have your phone? <laughs> now, you know how this goes, right? Can I have your phone? Um, and can we play canon? And I'm like, is that like the robot game where they blow up the whole world? Like, you know, what is that game? You know, because they're always downloading games, you know, and they want my phone. He says, no, 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 the song. I'm like, canon? You mean like canon in D? Yeah. Pachelbel, canon in D? Is that what you want? You want my phone right now to play that? He says, yes, please. <laughs> awesome. I'm not kidding you. Called up YouTube, Canon and D, Pachelbel. He's sitting there. He loves music. 
He's playing this like this. And I've got the hugest smile on my face because I love music. And it's like this moment. It was like, oh, my gosh. This is such a great connection. I went home. I downloaded the music to play Canon and D on the guitar. And I, so I, I just started learning it right away. I'm going to learn it. Next time he comes, I'm going to play it for him on the guitar. I'm going to blow his mind. <laughs> it's like, phew. It's like we are going to connect. And when I downloaded the music and started playing it, guess what was on my face? Great big smile. Because light in the Bible is a metaphor, not for what you know, but for relationship. That is key. And if that's true, then it leads to our question for the morning. We have two questions for the morning. What then does the Bible mean when it says God is light? What does that mean? In him there's no darkness at all. What then does it mean when the Bible says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. What might that mean? Do you see it? Go back to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, in him is no darkness. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So what? Does it mean, I want to take my premise and plug it into the equation. Light in the Bible is a metaphor for relationships. So don't freak out on me, just listen. To say that God is light is to say that God is relationship. I know it sounds weird on yours. You're like, wait a minute, Pastor Adam, last week he said God is love. That's what this is about. God is love. Yeah, but hang on a minute. How can you have love without a relationship? Love always has an object, right? And that object is you're in a relationship. So love requires a relationship to be love. I didn't say that relationship is God. I said that God actually is relationship Try this on. Maybe this is better. I'm going to say it differently. To say that God is light is to say this. A relationship of perfect eternal love is the essence of who God is. A relationship of perfect eternal love is the very essence of who God is. Now that is a profound thought, isn't it? It's a profound thought. Now, you know, I do something sometimes at parties to spice things up. And my wife doesn't like this, but I can't help myself because I don't really like parties and small talk. It's just not my thing. So sometimes to spice things up at a party, I find myself, you know, I'm over at the hors d'oeuvre table and, you know, I'm getting my cracker and hummus, little vegetable plate. I'm over there. You know, I meet someone new. Hello, my name is Guy. Who are you? Oh, I'm Tom. Hi, Tom. It's great to meet you. And then I'll follow up by saying this. Tom, what is the most profound thought you've ever had? 
<laughs> now, my wife hates this. She's like, don't do that. It's so lame. Why would you do that? I'm like, it's fun. It's fun. Tom, what is the most profound thought you've ever had? Now, some people totally freak out. Some people start laughing. You know, it's like, it's great. It's, you should try it sometime. Okay, so if you're at a party and somebody says to you, what is the most profound thought you've ever had? I have, I've got a ready answer for you. It's just so simple. 1 John 1.5. God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. Just say that. Just go with that. It's beautiful. Now, you're in trouble if they ask you the follow-up question. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> what exactly does that mean? And then you say, well, you know, I can tell you this, that light in the Bible is a metaphor for relationships. So I can tell you what I actually think it means is that a relationship of perfect eternal love is the essence of who God is. Now that, that's a deep thought. That's a profound thought. And do you know that that's actually where we begin in 1 John? That's where, where you really get launched into this whole thing. And so what we want to do for the next few minutes is ask this question. Well, then what is that relationship? If light is relationship, and it's telling us that God actually is light, that it implies there is a relationship. It is, it is an eternal reality in the being of God. Then what is that relationship? And so to figure that out, we're going to roll the tape back just a little bit into the first four verses of John. Now, we're going to look, read these. We've read them a couple times, but we'll read them again because this is so pivotal to everything in 1 John. But as you read, I want you to look for what might this relationship be that is light. What is it? Let's read it. 1 John 1, 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. What do you think he's talking about? Jesus. I mean, this is the Apostle John. He's saying, hey, Jesus. Jesus is called in the Gospel of John, the word. The word became flesh. John is saying, you know, that which was from the beginning, this Word, this eternal word, he actually came into the world and we could touch him. We could eat with him. You know, he could put his arm around us. Like, that's how amazing. He's talking about Jesus. In verse 2, it says, the life was manifest and we have seen it. What is the life? It's Jesus. We have seen it and testify and proclaim to you that eternal life. What's the eternal life? It's Jesus which was with the Father and was manifest to us, with the Father. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with who? The Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. What is the relationship which is being described in 1 John when he says God is light. Light is a metaphor for relationship. What is the relationship? It's the relationship of father and son. It is God the father. It is God the son. It is the mystery of who God eternally is. Now, I told you we're going to go to the deep end, right? This is, 
pretty deep stuff. Let me show you another place where it says exactly the same thing. Go to the Gospel of John now. Gospel of John. And in chapter 1. Now, you don't have to study real hard to, to find out that the first five verses of the epistle of John that we just read and the first five verses of the gospel of John are very similar. In fact, we'll find certain words that mirror exactly what we just read, but now they're in the gospel of John, okay? So evidently, what he's saying here is very important, and he always wants to start with this because this is really the essence of the whole thing right here. So let's read now in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, but I've put it on a slide, and here's what I did. I highlighted in red the words or concepts that are parallel to what we just read in the letter of John. In the beginning was the word. In the, in the letter of John, do we see the word the beginning? That which was from the beginning. So there it is, the beginning. In the beginning was the word. Was the word in the letter? Yeah, the word of life. What is the word? The word is Jesus. The Bible says the word became flesh. It's Jesus. And it says, and the word was with God. In the letter, it said with the Father. With God. Do you know what the word with is? It's a relationship. It's a relationship. Prostantheon in the Greek. Pros means moving towards an intimate relationship. The Word, the Son of God, and God the Father in relationship. And the Word was God. So now it's getting even more like, okay, he actually was God. He was in the beginning with God, just to reaffirm. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And there's the created world. But before the created world, what was there? God. And God was in relationship. The word was with God. And it says in verse 4, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Did we see light in the epistle of John? Yeah, God is light. Can you see how these two passages, they just, they're taking up all the same themes. They're putting them all together. They're saying, this is the starting place. If you miss this, you're going to miss the gospel. You're actually going to miss everything. In him was life, and the life was the light. It's funny, because we turn that around so often. We think, well, if I could just get more light, and we think light means knowledge. If I could just get more understanding, if I could just figure everything out, then I could live the life I'm supposed to live. That's what the philosophers did. 
They just kept looking for understanding, trying to figure it out, figure it out, figure it out, so that they get the life to live the life that they thought we were supposed to live. And they never could figure it out because they got the equation backwards. It is the life that is the light. And you know what that life is? The life is the relationship. That's what it is. Now, this is thick going. So what I did is I made a chart. Now, I hate charts. I'm going to tell you I hate charts, but I made one. <laughs> okay? But I, I kind of like this one, <laughs> actually. I just put words from our passage up there, and I want you to think about this. In the beginning was the Word. And who's the Word? It's the Son of God. It's Jesus came flesh. He was with, with is a word of relationship, he is with God the Father. Right? We just read that, okay? In that left column, what you have described is a relationship. It's a relationship. And it's eternal. In the beginning, at the time of the beginning, before creation, before the world was made, he says, this is the reality of God. It's an eternal relationship and that, he says, is life. That's life. That's the life of God. That's the reality of God. That's the heart of God. That's the mind of God. That's the being of God. And that life is light. It's the light of mankind. It's the light of the world. And you know what? God is light. God is light. And so all of the rest of the Gospel of John is unpacking this grand idea so that throughout the Gospel of John, what you see is so much about the Father and the Son. And Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And I always do those things that please the Father. And the Father has sent me into the world. And if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How can he say all this? Because this is who God is. And he sent his Son into the world to show us this reality. I'm just going to show you one verse from the Gospel of John that backs up what I'm saying. John 17, 24. I'm going to back it up right here. John 17, 24. The final prayer of Jesus before he went to the cross. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. What does it sound like? It sounds like an eternal relationship of love before the foundation of of the world itself. Boom. Switch on the floodlights, folks. That's light. That is our God. That's the heart of God. That's the being of God. And it's amazing. When a Christian who understands the gospel thinks about God, their first thought should be relationship. First thought. You think about God, think relationship. Think Father and the Son. And you know I'm talking about what we call the Trinity, so the Holy Spirit. 
We're going to get to that later in, in 1 John. Think relationship. Try this on for size. Do you know the Apostles' Creed? Maybe you know the first line of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father, the maker of heaven and earth. Right? That's the first line in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father, the maker of heaven and earth. Did you notice the word Father came before heaven and earth? Did you notice that? Before anything was made, I believe that God is Father. And if it's a Father, there's a Son. Now, a lot of people, when you say, you know, when you think about God, what do you think? I mean, a lot of people go, I don't, I don't think anything, you know. I'm agnostic. I don't know. I'm mad at him. Well, who is he? I don't know. You know, I mean, that's what we get, right? But even Christians sometimes, when you ask, well, what do you think? You get a picture of God. Who do you think of God? And immediately what they'll do is they'll say, well, he's the almighty, sovereign maker of all things who controls everything. And they just go, that's immediately, right out of the gate, we go because we think, well, he's the creator. He created everything. So that means he's intelligent. We have intelligent design. That means he's powerful. He can do all things. You know, it, it, it means he's sovereign, he's in control. So we think these things and we think about God and all of that is beautiful and it's true, but it's not enough. It's not enough. And it's not the gospel either. There's many religions. You could ask people from all kinds of religions and they'd give you exactly the same answer. Here's the one unique thing that sets the Christian faith apart and it is relationship, relationship before all things. God loving in relationship. It's a big idea. It's huge. That's the life of God, the heart of God, and that's the light of mankind. And so I realize with some, I guess, sadness that philosophers have spent thousands of years looking for light in the wrong place. Because if your idea of light is knowledge, I got, I got to get more information. I got to get more knowledge. I got to figure out the best idea. If I get the best idea, then I'll have light. And for 2,000 years, the quest is just a dead end. So in New Zealand, I told my wife, I said, honey, you're in luck. For one month, I will read no theology. Not one theology book will I read. Won't crack it open, nothing. She was pretty excited about that. I said, but I will read philosophy. <laughs> so I read a book in New Zealand, and I have a cover for you here. This is the book that I read in New Zealand. It's called The Cave and the Light. Plato versus Aristotle and the struggle for the soul of Western civilization. How cool is that? Great book. Great read. You know, she wasn't so sure about this. She's like, that sounds, seems like a trick to me. <laughs> From the cave to the light. Philosophers in the endless quest for illumination of the mind for the best idea. You know who these two characters are on the cover of the book? This is a piece of a painting by the Italian artist Raphael, painted in 1509 at the Vatican. 
a huge mural. He was commissioned to paint a mural in one of the rooms, and the theme of the mural was philosophy. At the very center of the mural are these two guys. These are the philosophers of the ages. On the left is Socrates. On the right is Aristotle. What happened to Plato? Well, Socrates is the voice of Plato, always, in all of his dialogues. It's always Socrates who's going on, and Aristotle, who's actually a student of Plato. So they knew each other. And um, these guys had an argument. Now, you might notice that Socrates on the left is pointing up. Do you see his hand pointing up? It's because the artist knew that Socrates, his thing is, we're going to keep thinking big ideas, big ideas, grand ideas, and we're going to think beyond this whole world, and we're going to finally come up with the grand idea of all ideas, and that'll be the light. That'll be our truth. And Aristotle said, you know, I'm sick of your big ideas. He said, forget it. And do you notice he's kind of pointing down here towards the earth? Because Aristotle was the philosopher who said, forget that. We need to study the empirical world. And he actually is called the father of modern science because he started cataloging things and looking to the earth and figuring out the world. He said, maybe we can work ourselves from the creation up to the creator. So they had this epic battle, and that's kind of what the book is about. And oh, they're looking for light in the wrong place. Because light is not about having the perfect idea in your head. It's about relationship. They missed it. It's about relationship. So God sent his son into the world, the light of the world, to bring light to us. And that light is not just an idea. It's not just a doctrine about God. It's actually a relationship with God. And that is amazing. You know, we need to think about who God is a little bit more. I really, I think, I think we do. I'm going to read to you a quote from a woman named Susanna Wesley. You know Susanna Wesley? Now, Susanna Wesley, uh, so around 1700, she's the mother of John Wesley, famous preacher, and Charles Wesley, who most famous hymn writer of all time. And this... I want to say poor woman, but she wasn't. She was amazing. She actually had 18 or 19 children, and 10 of them lived. Her house burned down twice. Her husband was most often gone, and she homeschooled all the children. In her spare time, she read Aristotle. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Somebody walked up after the first service and said, you know that she read Greek by the time she was like three or four? I'm like, man, I don't believe that. Anyway, here's her quote. Put it on the screen. She said, it was his lack of knowledge. She's talking about Aristotle. It was his lack of knowledge of the revelation of the gospel that led him astray. For had he ever heard of that great truth of our Christian faith concerning the Holy Trinity, he would have perceived the almighty goodness eternally communicating all the fullness of the Godhead to the divine Son, his uncreated word. Whoa. Okay, if she's at a party and someone says, what's your most profound thought? <laughs> she's ready to go, right? She's ready to go. Amazing. But she got it. She got it. She's like, you know, this guy, this philosopher, he actually missed the boat because his 
another truth, and it's a truth about relationship that lies behind everything, the whole universe. God is light. In him, there's no darkness at all, and that's about relationship. Okay, but you say, Pastor, that's great. That's really interesting. Thank you for the little philosophy lecture. We get it. But um, what does that actually mean for me? How does that apply to my life? Well, here's how it applies. This God of eternal love and loving relationships sent his son into the world so that he could have a relationship with you. That's the gospel. The God of eternal love, he sent his son into the world to have a relationship with you. That's why Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whosoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Do you think Jesus was telling them, I'm a philosopher? No, Jesus is saying, come and join me, be with me, be in relationship with me, and your life will never be the same. The light came into the world. He came unto his own, it says in John. His own received him not. But to as many as did receive him, he gave them the authority to become sons and daughters of God. That's relationship. So what then does it mean to walk in the light as he is in the light? Let's go back to 1 John. Remember our second question? What does it mean to walk in the light as he is in the light? In verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. To walk in the light is to walk in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the son. That's what it is to walk in the light. And that's his gift. That's his gift. You know, isn't it amazing? John says, oh, the word of life. We touched him. We handled him. He came into our lives, into our world. They can't, they can't get over it. They can't shake it. They said, this is so much joy. We want to share it with you. We have a relationship with this loving God through the Son. Won't you join us in that? Don't you want that in your life? But immediately there's a problem because we realize there's still darkness in our lives. There's still darkness. Sin. If we say we have no sin, then, then we're lying. Okay, sin. What is sin? Sin is darkness. Light and darkness, they're metaphors for relationship. Sin is not just breaking rules, it's breaking relationship. Does that make sense? You break relationship, it's darkness. That's what it's about. It's all about relationship. And I can tell you, like I had the great photo from New Zealand, but I can tell you that not every moment was as filled with light and brightness and happiness. It took 15 hours on the plane to get there. The capacity to hurt one another. I was telling my wife about this idea. She said, you're not going to put a photo up of that, are you? <laughs> that moment. No, I'm not going to put it up there. My sweet grandson who's listening to Canon and D just stealing my heart. Oh, just a few days before that, he went into my office. He's not supposed to. <laughs> he closed the door. My shelves looked to him like a ladder. He said, I could climb up to the top of that. 
He climbed up to the top, throwing down books and things on the ground, making a huge mess. Not to mention that he could have killed himself. And then he couldn't put it back together, so he just closed the door and walked away. <laughs> and I walked in, and I, you know, I looked at it, and I went, this is not sunshine and light right now. So I went down there. I'm like, hey, uh, what went on in my office? Nothing. Well, did you like try to climb up the side like a ladder? No, what are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about right now. <laughs> well, there's books everywhere. They're on the ground. It looks like somebody climbed up there. It wasn't me. And then you keep pressing and the quivering of the lip starts and, uh, well, maybe. There's a rift in the relationship. It's not all sunshine. There's darkness. There has to be restoration. But if we confess our sins, the Bible says, he's faithful and just to forgive us. If we walk in the light as he's in the light, the blood of Christ will cleanse us. You know, here's the amazing truth. This is a gospel truth. You actually can walk in the light of relationship with God even though you're still imperfect, even though you still sin. The question is, do you want that relationship so much that you're willing to confess that sin, to turn away from that sin, to let Christ cleanse you? Call it what it is. You know, don't lie. Say, no, I don't have any sin. I don't do anything wrong. Don't lie. God knows. Do you do things that break relationship? Not just rules, but relationship. Do you hurt others ever? You say unkind words? And we're just scratching the surface of, of kind of the obvious stuff. Like, okay, all that stuff. You're going to walk now in the light of God in love, and he's going to transform you to become that loving person who lives in relationship, moving towards good relationship with others, but it's a process. But if you want that, the blood of Christ will keep cleansing you and cleansing you and transforming you. Here's what I've discovered. The longer you walk with Jesus, actually the more sensitive you get about your sin. You know, if you get close to the Lord, the light is brighter, and then you realize, oh, I, now I see, I never saw that before, but I see that right there, and that's darkness in my life, and I, I didn't see it before, but now I do. Oh, it's because you're actually getting closer to the light. It's all right. Bring it to God. Lord, cleanse my sin through the blood of Christ. That's your promise. That's the gospel, you see? Now, this morning, we're going to have communion. We're going to come to the table together. And as we come to the table, I can tell you what it is. It's a moment of light and life. Or should I say life and light? <laughs> That's what it is this morning. We should have big candles up here, you know, just to tell us, what this is. Maybe all this seems abstract to you. You're like, Pastor, it's too, too esoteric for me. Well, let me put it into a different framework. I'll just read final passage. I know there's a lot of scriptures today. I can't help myself. I've got to read to you just a few verses from John 13. Before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Do you see relationship? The father, the son, his own, he loved them. This is about love. This is about relationship. It says in verse 2, During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hands, 
and that he had come from God and was going back to God. Does that sound like relationship to you? John is telling us who this is. This is the word. He's come into the world. This is amazing. Okay, so knowing all that, that's the context. It says, he rose from supper, laid aside his outer garment, taking a towel, tied it around his waist, poured water into a basin, began to wash the feet of disciples. And I'm looking at that, and I'm just thinking, light, just light, just relationship, love, cleansing. You come to the elements of communion, the bread and the cup, to remember that, to remember that night, to remember how it led to the cross. You take in your hand a tangible element so that, like John said, you know, from the beginning, that which we have touched, felt, and heard is real. Not a philosophy, it's a person. He loves you. And we're going to come to the table and experience that. So I'll have the worship team come forward at this time, and I'll say a prayer, and then we're going to sing a song. And during that song, I ask you to come forward and take the bread and the cup. The bread represents the body of Christ. The cup, his blood shed for sins. You do it as an act of faith. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I want that in my life. I want Jesus in my life. Just come. Just come and take these things in faith and realize that he died for you. And then go back to your seat, hold the cup and the bread. I'm going to come back and say a prayer. We'll eat and drink together. Father, bless now, I pray, this time. Let the Holy Spirit whisper to our hearts of your love and of who you are, Lord. And may we be just touched with joy because of it, I pray. In Christ's name, amen.